another episode of the Pacific Current. I am Jenica Kay. And this is Andrew T. Our guest today is Laura Noholova, soil operations and conservationist at Island Topsoil. Welcome to the show, Laura. Aloha. Thank you for visiting. Thank you for having us. We're so excited. We just finished a tour of Island Topsoil, so we have a little bit, a little bit of knowledge compared <laughs> to Laura, uh, Laura. But we're excited for her to kind of share what they're doing here. Um, do you want to give us a little background uh, about yourself? Sure. So um, I've been doing this for about 25 years. I started at Hawaiian Earth Products um, as an office manager, and that's it started kind of on the recycling side, green waste where I learned that soil is alive and I got so excited and that started me on my journey, which led me through the landscape industry, led me through the recycling industry and, you know, learned so much about, um, not only, you know, we know we live on an island, but learned so much about our resources, what already exists here and what we're bringing on that we shouldn't be. And, you know, through my 25 year journey, you know, I end up here at Island Topsoil and just learning a whole bunch of extraordinary things about our environment and um, microorganisms, biology, and how it's all connected. That's very cool. One of the things I didn't realize before coming here is how alive the soil is. And as we went through the tour, you kind of guided us. Could you talk a little bit about what you guys put back into the soil that makes it Sure. As productive. Yeah, sure. Um, first, I guess we should start with how we get our soil. In Hawaii, we have no soil pit. You know, everybody's dealing with pretty much the same soil sources, which come from the construction industry or what you already have in your own backyard or what somebody else is throwing away. So we all end up with this subsoil, which generally has no life in it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why everybody has such a hard time growing stuff in our soil. But Um, What we do when we bring it on site, we test it, make sure that it's clean, meaning no pesticides, herbicides, or heavy metals. And then we uh, compost here. So we take in green waste, we process it, which takes three months to make the green waste from its state, from your backyard, Opala, to compost, which you add back into the soil to help create a more healthy environment for the organisms. That's the whole point, getting the organisms, you know, attracting the organisms back into your soil to help with the growth of your plants. So what's the relationship like between like the organisms that are in the soil and the plants and how do they work together to improve their health? You know, that's been like one of the coolest things I learned. And, you know, I just hope that everybody kind of gets this part because it's really basic. And we've been separated from it, you know, just this knowledge. But, the, you know, going through the journey, learning that the soil is alive and that there are um, billions of organisms in one teaspoon of healthy soil. Yeah. You know, the, a healthy forest has trillions. A healthy soil, just a, the basic healthy soil has billions. It's just incredible. And the organism is what brings everything together. There, the, the bacteria, the fungi, you know, nematodes, protozoa, this, uh, this, just this extreme, crazy, big world of these little creatures. And they generally feed on organic matter and live in little droplets of water. And they're the ones 
that feed our plants. They have a symbiotic re relationship with our plants where they communicate with each other, uh, each other, and basically the organisms are getting from the plant um, a benefit, which is an exudate. And the plants are communicating with the microorganisms to bring them their um, minerals or their, whether it be nitrogen, phosphorus, iron, you know, they, they trade. They get this, this, you know, symbiotic relationship. They trade one for the other. So that's what the plant needs to uptake all its nutrients. And guess who eats plants? It's, you know, us. We eat plants. So our, they're calling it the bionome, right? Bionome is our own gut system. And what happens in the soil, the biology in the soil is pretty much the same relationship. So that thing we heard, you know, years ago, all the way growing up, you are what you eat. It's the truth. You know, we are connected by this. And if you're eating unhealthy food, you don't feel healthy. So we put the nutrients, we put the biology back into the soil. And that's where we have to begin. That's the, that's the commonality for all of us. That's so cool. <laughs> so who does Island Topsoil serve? Do you sell commercially or? We do. We sell commercially, but anybody can come. We general public, landscapers. We have a lot of organic growers. Industry, you know, we do from the soil under the rail to organic gardens in your backyard. So we are open to the public. Anybody can come. That's so cool. The process, you talked a little bit about three months. You mentioned a little earlier. What's the total process to get this soil to where it is when we put it into our garden? How long is that for you folks? Just the composting process is about three months. Mm -hmm. So that takes, you know, like from a frond, a coconut frond to finish compost. If you, you know, just we have big piles here of just all kinds of mixed green waste. Takes three months to get it from its um, original state to what we'll call plant available nutrients, or where the organisms have broken it down and are making it, making it so the the plants can use the benefits of the compost. Basically, after three months, when the compost is ready, uh -huh. we screen it and then we blend it with soil, and then it's ready to go out. But now that we've been putting the biology back into the soil, we're finding that. Um, a curing phase, or what should I say? It's like it's like if you add if you yeast, you add, mm -hmm. add yeast to bread. You make it mm -hmm. sourdough bread, and you let it rise. Mm -hmm. You know, you let the the organism, the yeast, mm -hmm. kind of take effect. That's the same way in the soil now. So we make our blends, we add the biology, and then we let it sit because they, the biology networks. They you know they start feeding, they start multiplying and they gel everything together. So whereas we would have had um, a compost, a soil, and maybe a cinder, and we mix it together, mm -hmm. now we blend it together, we let it sit, and it's actually, it, it just, it all comes together as one really nice mix where you can't tell one from the other, they, it looks like a natural soil. So um, we are looking at about nine months now. Wow. Two months, oh, so, so three months composting, maybe two months minimum of mm -hmm. a curing phase, mm -hmm. but the longer the better. So so it's a, it's a process, but it's all worth it because we want to get this biology 
back into our environment, whether it's your backyard, mm -hmm. whether it's the side of a freeway. We want them there because all they do then is, you know, they need organic matter, they need water, and they'll flourish, and we will get our soil healthy again. Wow. Are there some simple ways that people can get started with this? Maybe like on their own, maybe some simple tips you have? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the easiest, and I know a lot of people try to do the vermicomposting at home. Yeah. And we played, uh, not played, I had a, a vermicompost bin for you know, two decades. That's one really easy way, because that's your vegetable and fruit waste going into the vermicompost bin. And vermicompost is one of the purest, most naturalist form of you know getting back those healthy bacteria back into your soil. So that's one way. Another way is stop using pesticides mm -hmm. in your own environment. Stop using pesticides because pesticides kill all the living organism in your soil. Herbicides do the same. You know, fungicides, nematicides, all of them. You know, they're going to kill everything. There is an array of natural um, herbicides, pesticides that we can all start using just in our own environment. And whatever we've been told, uh, whatever the labels say that it dissipates, it doesn't harm the environment, there is a lasting effect. We are finding no matter what across the board. So it's like a rule of thumb. I mean, it's like if I wouldn't eat it, if I, you know, I'm, I'm reading this, it says all natural, but you come across some ingredient and you have no clue what it is. Would you eat it? You know, are you going to like spray it in your mouth and taste it? <laughs> it's like, no. So generally, honestly, a rule of thumb is if I wouldn't put it in my own body, I'm not going to put it in my soil. I'm not going to use it in my backyard. You know, so that that's one really easy way just to get um, on the right path. And then after that, just look for natural ingredients. And if you need, call me. You know, we'll, I'll, I'll refer you to, you know, the, I'll point you in the right direction. So what if you've used pesticides in the past? Is there a way to kind of, do you have to dig everything up and throw it away? No, you don't. And that that's the, the magic part of it, depending on what it was, you know. I mean, so when we're looking for soil, one of our big rules is we stay away from any super sites, which may have been a, a gas station mm. or some kind of automotive automotive or junkyard or mm -hmm. something that might have been leaching a lot of petroleum yeah. metals things that we don't want in our backyard things that we don't want our tomatoes growing out of you know that kind of stuff can it help so you know we stay away from that but if it's an herbicide a pesticide we really depend on the biology again you know um in like ocean cleanups you know how they put the organisms out they put the um they get those those things to hold all the oil in place and then they, they spray it. That's all biology that they're getting to eat the petroleum. You know, it's like it's different biology there. They'll feed on it. And when the food runs out, they die. So same concept. If you spray, you bring in organic matter. So you bring in compost, you bring in mulch. And the natural bacteria that it, bacteria, fungi that it attracts will start cleaning your soil because, you know, they'll, they'll be going through it. And one way you can tell that you have healthy soil on the top of the food chain is the earthworm. 
The earthworm only comes if you have a healthy environment. They're attracted to the biology you have going on in there. So whether it be the organic matter or the fungi and the bacteria that feed on organic matter or on each other, because there, there's this big war going on under there, the good guys against the bad guys, and they they going, you know, it's like super interesting. But the good ones are fighting the, the good fight. So when you see earthworms there, it's like you know that your um, soil, you're you on the right path. A lot of people call me because they want to purchase earthworms to put into their garden. And that's really not the way it works. You know, because if your garden's not healthy and you put an earthworm in there, he's going to dig. He's going to yeah. go to your neighbor's house, you know. He's going to go find some healthy soil. He's not going to stay. I know which neighbor they're going to yeah. in, our, in our community. Yeah. Everybody has that, right? Yeah. But that's the same place that your all your organisms are going to be bringing in the nutrients from, too. I mean, because that's the way it works, but... You cannot, if, if, you're, if your environment is not healthy, the organisms aren't going to stay there. So you got to create a healthy environment for them. And by adding the, um, the compost, that, that's your start. Get organic matter into the soil. Keep your soil moist. Like, um, to keep your soil moist, you add mulch on top of that. And it creates this whole cool environment for all the microorganisms. And then the earthworms will come. I mean, one day, you, you, I mean, everybody has experienced it where they don't even plant um, a pot. You know, they put mm-hmm. soil in a pot and put a plant inside. And they know they didn't have earthworms in there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, two months, you're going through it, and then you see all these earthworms. And you're like, wow, where did they come from? And, you know, they had to come from someplace else, crawl through the puka at the bottom mm-hmm. of the pot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they know they were attracted to that healthy environment. So same thing in your yard, you know, so bring the organic matter in. And again, you know, we, we're attracting all this biology, but we're also creating it here. So we can teach you guys how to do it. Cool. One of the things, because we're on the west side, we're out here in Wainai Valley. Do you feel that people, is it harder to grow out here in in Wainai on the west side or doesn't really matter if if you have the right? For me, I would uh, more compare it with, like if you compare Wainai to Manoa or um, Wahiwa, yes. Otherwise, no, if because the other bottom, like Wainai, Eva Beach, Nanakuli, mm. yeah. if you, um, Haula, Kahuk, all on the coastlines, it's kind of same. It's, mm. it's hard to um, get everything new because everybody get an idea of what they want it to look like and they want it to look like a forest, but we don't live in a forest. So you're kind of fighting that element, but um, give it the right ingredients and it, it's Maybe. all going to come. It all happens. I mean, even my auntie on Molokai, she started doing the biology. And it's. I saw pictures of her garden the other day. I'm like, wow, auntie, that is so cool. Because she's been fighting that fight for like really long yeah. time. Her, her garden is awesome. And she lived right there, right out of Kaunakakai. And oh, Molokai, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. How are you able to maintain your knowledge? You've got a ton of knowledge and... You've been doing this for such a long time. What are some ways that uh, you've learned over the years? You know, everything is just so interesting. And one thing leads into the next thing. And I'm just always intrigued by it. And I'm one of those people, if like a term comes up, a word comes up or something, and I'm like, what is that? 
I, I have to look it up. You know, I'm going to Google it. Like, right there. It's like, what is that? So from there, you know, it just, there's something always leading me to the next point, the next point, the next point. And I've had really good mentors. And it started, honestly, 25 years ago with um, a class I, I went to. Um, her name is Elaine Ingham. She's pretty much been credited with this movement um, teaching the world basically about the soil food web that's her term and it's about all the life under the soil you know we all we walk around we walk on it every day there's this crazy thing happening in urban areas called earthing i don't know if you guys heard about it earthing it's where people take off their shoes and connect their feet to the earth (laughs) and for me it was really crazy because i'm like what but we live in hawaii we grow up barefoot you know (laughs) so we have that connection and then i started realizing that there's a lot of people that never take off their shoes you know so that was kind of crazy that you think of where you walk every day and how you're walking on the earth and you don't know all this biology is going on nobody realizes um how important soil is you know, that we grow our food in it. All our food is grown in it, unless you do hydroponic. Yes, there's different technology mm-hmm. now that we can um, create food with. But Elaine Ingham is the uh, microbiologist that introduced the world to this big thing happening under our feet. You know, and that it's not just dirt. It is yeah. soil. So we take dirt and turn it into soil with all these natural um, elements. So Elaine was one of them. 25 years ago, I went to her class. And then there's, um, in the last decade or so, I've been introduced to Korean natural farming, which is super cool. You know, it's all these tonics and potions, everything you can take yourself. and um, Master Cho is, you know, I had the honor of meeting him for the first time a couple of weeks ago. We were on a three-day, uh, we went to the Big Island, went to Pahoa, and had a three-day, not conference, um, master class, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, we, you know, we got to hear and, and see and meet this person with all this knowledge. But, you know, he 60 years in the making, and it has Japanese... Um, ties from his mentors and he did it in Korea all these years so therefore the, the Korean natural farming method um, but that from there it's, it's turning into a natural farming method you know where people are just learning the methodology and how to put everything back into the soil naturally you know and it, it, it might it might feel long because there's, there's processes for everything and you got to follow the yeah. process um you know every seven days you do this and every two days you do that and every you know and it gets kind of crazy because you're not going to the store and buying a product mm-hmm. you know you're not going to the store buy a product apply mm-hmm. you know so it's stuff that you actually um make and it, it's so much cooler because you understand the process yeah. you know and you know what you're putting into the soil you know you can take it yourself and there again is that connection between the microbiology in the soil, in the food, in your own opu, you know, in our own gut system. Um, one other one that 
has recently been introduced in my life is um, Henriquez. He's been doing this for a really long time too, and he's the owner of Henriquez Organics. You know, Master Cho was 60 years. Henriquez is 40 years. He was also partners with Eileen Ingham in the early days. They, they collaborated the work, you know, and both Master Cho and Henriquez are one of these intuitive, they call themselves intuitive learners, masters, because they don't have degrees. You know, they learned from either their forefathers, mentors, um, own, what is that, traditions, uh, culture, and have come through the, the decades. And you, they've waited a long time. The time is now with this movement, with the natural movement, where people are becoming more conscious of how it all affects ourselves, our own bodies, our families. Um, but these guys have been fighting the good fight for decades, you know, and, and are just now being able to get it out in a positive light and not with a lot of fight back. But that was a really long answer. No, no. Because <laughs> no, it takes a lot. Yeah. yeah. It takes a lot you know? of different people. And, you know, I'm sure I'm looking at a ton of different books here. You, you know, very, very study, meticulous study over the years. And it's all culminated to this. And this is something, like, I think you can really be proud of. This is something, when you look at your grandkids down the line, you know that the work that you're, you're doing now is, is going to affect them. And the rest of, you know, the rest of Hawaii, if if it's done properly, this could be a really positive movement. So uh, Yeah, I hope so. I think it's coming, you know? Yeah. I, I think it's coming where people are asking the right questions. Yeah. And a lot of people, they come and they're like, oh, do you have a degree? Where did you go to school? I didn't. You know, <laughs> this is all because of curiosity. This is your school, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, totally. like the hands-on experience. I think you learned so much so much from yeah. that yeah. i feel blessed because you know as you can this is my passion it's mm-hmm. just my my role in life you know i gotta fix the soil that's my mission it's fun because i've seen it evolve you know from the when didn't have um a ban on green waste mm-hmm. in the landfill mm-hmm. when all that was thrown away you know all the coffee grounds all the the beans from the coffee all i guess all our um opala from different processes you know like making bread everybody threw away that or came to the piggeries and there's so much more use for Mm. so many things that get thrown away so seeing that evolve and then watching the food movement where people just have been really first conscious of the chemicals going into our soil and then you know wow if it's going into the soil what's happening to our bodies and you're just putting that whole relationship together so that evolution has been like mind-blowing and fun to watch you know so i want i want to see it go like full on where everybody you know that the soil is healthy people are healthy we start seeing our disease rates go down and you know just people enjoying life more because we all see it in our own ohanas that you know people getting sick and relating it to you know processed foods canned foods what you do what you eat and um, just it, it's not difficult some people think you know like I understand now that you don't eat meat yes you know yeah and that thinking of that makes me sad you know it's like if I have to not eat meat I'm like <laughs> I get sad but my my niece and nephew are on the same path and so is another nephew and 
you know i'm like because you know when it's the right thing right mm-hmm. yeah. so and i think so for I'm me listening. like learning more about what was i guess going into not the soil now i'm thinking that but also like the hormones into the animals yes. and i just kept it was affecting me in such a negative way um that I knew I had started it just as a 30-day challenge and I knew after that like I have to stick to this yeah. you know it also opened me up to lots of other cool foods to eat that I right. hadn't eaten growing up growing up um, and other cultures um, which was has been cool but I think as I've gone through the years um, I've just found that I want to put better food into my body but, for but myself. But you feel better, yes, right? Your, I do. Your body responds and you mm-hmm. feel better. And that's so important. Like um, Henriquez, the one I mentioned, he and his wife have a partnership and they're trying to get people to realize the brain, taste bud, nutrient aspect because mm-hmm. we lost that along the way somehow. You know how we get used to processed foods, mm-hmm. fast foods, mm-hmm. and then the body craves fast foods. Mm-hmm. And... They're trying to introduce again, like people, you know, taste this fruit that has been raised from really good quality, natural soil, taste it. You know, because we went to Kauai and he made us go through this exercise and was in orchard. And as we were picking the orange from the tree, it was like, it was like we were squeezing it all our might <laughs> because the juice that was coming out of the orange was crazy. We were starting to like handle it like they were eggs because we didn't want to like, we thought we were squeezing out all the juice. It was like, wow, how did all that juice come out of this? You know, there was a dog underneath who was like licking the, the juice coming out. So as we were peeling it, it was just amazing oh. how much. And I brought one home and one orange, like, like I had almost three cups of orange juice that came out of it. Wow. And that was mind-blowing in itself. But he said, taste it. Um, and there's supposed to be a recognition from your brain to your taste buds that this is good food. This is what I should be eating. Where you know that and you reject the bad food, you know, the process or what things that your body not going to recognize as nutrient-rich. So that's a Henriquez thing again, you know, they're trying to put that whole thing together where people have the relationship on not only farm to table or where Mm -hmm. does your food come from, but what does it taste like? Do you realize how nutrient rich this is? You know, so we can um, get those, those, um, what is the word? The... I don't know how to, to say it. The, it's something that we used to know. You know, people yeah. used to know that. Humans used to have that ability mm-hmm. that we kind of forget because it's been so long since we've eaten, yeah. you know, really clean good, clean, food. natural food, mm-hmm. which your body recognizes already. My auntie was, uh, yeah. Auntie Robin was saying that she tastes the difference in chicken from when she was a young girl to now, you know, and and even when you look at um, the color of apples, you know, yes. just regular apples. It's like all of these little things that I've learned over the years um, were so visual. So we think it has to look a certain way, right. but I love tying it to it should taste a certain way. Yeah. You know? And you know, we just I went to another, you know, I go through all these, these waste expos and um, composting conferences, and we went through the ugly food movement, which was <laughs> the coolest thing to me, you know? Because it was... It, I didn't realize it. You know, again, this disconnect that they um, 
grow, meaning industry grows fruits and vegetables to look a certain way, mm -hmm. to fit a certain criteria. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't meet it, mm -hmm. it gets tossed to the side. There's mm -hmm. actual, you know, equipment that it goes through a yeah. production line that says, oh, no, you're out, you're out, you're out. And those perfectly good edible food, and I'm going to say good because even the, the ugly ones is the same as the, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. those nice ones. It's mm -hmm. just ugly. Yeah. But I think good in that way because obviously it's, um, it hadn't come from a, a good natural production, you know, place. But um, keeping that in mind that all that food gets thrown away. All of it got thrown away. So through that movement, the ugly food movement, <laughs> they now donate, a lot of places donate the, the food that doesn't meet the specs and it goes to, you know, um, pre-packaged foods or, or see, it can't go on the shelf as a tomato yeah. mm -hmm. because it's not pretty, but you can cut it up into salsa, mm, you know, mm -hmm. you can make marinara sauce out of yeah. it or whatever, you know, so it goes through different processes instead of being thrown away which we're such a throwaway society, mm -hmm. nobody was even yeah. thinking about it. It just yeah. doesn't meet the grade. Push to the side. You know, so all that stuff. It's just all things that when we're introduced to, then we got to do something about it, right? It's like, wow. So you make different purchasing prices. I mean, purchasing um, practices. Mm -hmm. yeah. You think different about it. You know, through that practice with the orange, mm -hmm. It dawned on me that when I go shopping, and I it, it reminded me of bell peppers. Because when I buy bell peppers, I don't know why, but I go for the lighter ones. Uh -huh. Maybe because they're $3.99 a pound. <laughs> <laughs> I go for the lighter ones. I hate it. And then it made me realize that, wow, I'm not picking the highest nutri the, the nutritional one. Mm -hmm. I'm picking the cheaper one because, you know, I'm looking for a lighter <laughs> Bell pepper. Didn't even realize that I was doing that. You know, until I went through that process and like, wow, yes, doesn't that make sense? It's heavier if it's nutrient rich. You know, it's juicier. More of the nutrition is still in there. Didn't dry out. So just, you know, learning about different things and makes you think about the things you do and you change. So I guess that's a part of the journey, the learning journey. That, that's been the fun part for me. I've been so inspired by, I guess, that food movement. And my sister, our sister, has been really inspired by uh, no waste. So I think I kind of mentioned before yes. that she started using cloth diapering for her right. child. Um, and she uses diapers sometimes, but I think just trying to do that little part, you know, to take away from the waste. And we talked about that, too, as we were, were touring that even in one small section in this one spot on the island, you can pick out so much waste so what are some suggestions from you for people to minimize waste and um, what are the effects that waste has I think, on our um, I think the biggest impact learning through the recycling you know, evolution was to be more cognizant of packaging. Mm. You know, pre-packaging, what you're purchasing. It's like, you remember... Oh, I'm going to date myself. <laughs> you remember CDs? Uh-huh. Yeah, you remember yeah. the CD is like a little circle and mm -hmm. the packaging was like three times its yeah. size and, you know, <laughs> yeah. things like that. Or like, um, say, I don't know, um, say perfume. You know how mm -hmm. it got all the pretty packaging and the thing is this small? Mm -hmm. You know, that I always made a big impact on me thinking we live on an island. How yeah. can we accept 
all of this stuff. You know, people are, are putting it on our shelves. We're bringing it to our islands. Yeah. We're paying for shipping. Mm-hmm. And what do we do with all Opala? There's no place for it to go. You know, so that was one of the biggest thing where I think um, there should be a movement where we get together and kind of regulate the Opala coming on island. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't do anything with all of that. Um, but on a, um, closer to home, you know, you, you watch what you generate and try not to buy so much one-use items, you know? Mm. The, the use one time, throw away. Use one time, throw away. Like those little coffee pods. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. so much Opala. You know, what's wrong with ground coffee in a filter? And, you know, mm-hmm. the, the French presses, it, it doesn't generate any Opala. So really being more cognizant of your own use at home. I remember before where one person thought... What difference am I going to make? Mm-hmm. You know, what difference am I going to I'm only one person. But that movement has grown to hundreds and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. And now we make a difference. You know, so our practice at home is just really simple. We try to reuse. Uh, luckily, I live at, I mean, I work at a place like this that any of my bottles, you know, everything gets reused. So mm-hmm. um, on that side, and we have our recycling programs where, you know, but there's, I, I'm always surprised at how many people don't use it. Mm. You know, they yes. don't recycle yeah. their own products. They throw them away. Yes. So for us, you know, if anything, put them on the side. Put them on the side because uh, somebody's going to grab it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we try to do it that way. But... I guess that's the biggest for me, um, just being cognizant of your own use. And remember, we live on an island. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no place for it to go. We had a cousin visiting this past weekend, and she lives on the mainland, and she was surprised we had gone to Target. And I always have my reusable bags in my backseat of my car. So I just grabbed one and... I mean, probably grab two because Target, you just never know what right. you're going to get. <laughs> um, and she was so surprised that everyone in, that we were checking out with all had their own reusable bags. And I said, yeah, when I moved home, I loved that about Hawaii, that they charge you for a bag. And um, yeah. if they're charging you for a bag, you're buying a reusable bag or you're getting a paper bag. And at Down to Earth, I don't use the plastic bags to put my fruits and vegetables. I just bring right. my, own, my own bag because... You're going to wash it when you get home. It doesn't need its own special plastic bag. So you don't need five plastic bags, you know, for five different fruits. Like they can touch each other. Right. It's okay. (laughs) You know, but it's like these things that you just grew up thinking or learning, I guess, just by habit, going to the store and all of this use just decades and decades of using just plastic bags for fruits. No, and, And that was a huge movement and it was a huge undertaking. You know, to get it to that point to ban mm-hmm. the plastic bags, it was, I mean, I remember that process and it was forever and so many people were against it mm-hmm. and, and it was like, what else are we going to use? And, you yeah. know, people really, it, it was making them think outside the box, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's not even outside the box. It's, it's really not. Bag. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's so easy to just reuse the same bag and you just put it in your car. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like, it's just... It's one extra step, and it's not much different. Nope. But um, it really helps. I mean, you think of how many times you go to a grocery store and how many bags you would 
need at the grocery store every time, every week, and yeah. how much that adds up for one person, and then the million people on the island, that's like And millions. living on this side, you know, living yeah. so close to Guaymanalo Gulch, and yeah. seeing the plastic fly, yeah. and get stuck in the Kiavi tree, yeah. you know, it would be all stuck, and people would call that the Kiavi tree flowers, or people would tease it, you know, but it's all plastic stuck in the trees. Yeah, yeah so, I, you know what, and I know must have a million plastic bags still in there, but kind of feel like I don't see a lot of plastic in the trees anymore. Yeah. Not as much anymore, yeah? yeah? Yeah. Now that I think about it. Even on the beaches too, when you go, right. it's really great to see people yeah. bringing um, their reusable bags and, yeah. you know, like taking time. We follow a couple um, accounts on Instagram where people can just volunteer to do beach cleanups around. You yeah. Know, and just take a group of people and pick up Opala and, you know, just a little part and every person counts. Totally. And, you know, I met with somebody in um, Ko'olina, one of the bigger resorts, and they want to put together a recycling program. Mm. And they were showing me the uh, the bamboo straws or paper straws, Mm. and they're already moving into that. And I wasn't aware there was such a product. I knew the bamboo ones, and I knew the metal ones, but not the paper ones. And it's so cool because um, we used to live... um, on the beach and we would do cleanups in front of our house but after the whole straw thing came out we went we separated the straws from everything else and mm-hmm. was just like blown away by Incredible. how many straws were there mm-hmm. it's like wow it's like yeah. i'm not I'm using straw. straws anymore <laughs> straws and lids too I, yes. i've noticed That's like true. some companies have gotten away from and people are like where's my lid where's my straw like you know and you, you don't need every single thing even um you know, one thing Starbucks has done that I've seen is you can buy like a Starbucks cup and then you just bring the cup to refill and they I give you a that. discount, you know. Yeah. And um, so instead of getting, you know, like even Every if time. it's recyclable paper, yeah, you're just um, minimizing that waste. And the person I met with yesterday, she um, shared with me, uh, like us in the industry, we know that. But she said I, that she had never known there was a difference between biodegradable and compostable. Mm. You know, so she would, they, they were going for um, the biodegradable and then realized that compostable means it'll break down okay. during the composting process. Biodegradable just means it'll break down mm-hmm. eventually. Mm. So it could be 10 years, could be yes. 10 minutes, it's going to break down, you know, rather than end up in the ocean with plastic that lives mm-hmm. forever mm-hmm. becomes fish food. So I have a completely kind of, well, not completely unrelated. How are you able to attract people to bring their truckloads of, of compostable stuff here? We have a really cool relationship with our customers or our partners because we're in Wainai Valley. Okay. Like that's far from yeah. <laughs> everything else. Yeah. And you add the traffic and, you know, people are like, I'm going to go all the way down there. So what we do is if they purchase our products or use our trucking, they can dump for free. So we oh, don't nice. charge a tipping or disposal fee wow. for the green waste. So they come with their full loads, dump, load up their soil, and go on their way. And it's worth it for them because, you know, they're both disposing and picking up what they need for their jobs. So that's really worked out where it attracted a really good bunch of people who are yeah. conscious about not only economic, I mean, everybody is, but what we're doing here environmentally. Mm-hmm. So it really works. Customers, you know, um, 
hard for get somebody from Kailua to come to Wai'anae <laughs> for compost. But now that you word of mouth and, you know, reputation mm-hmm. is proceeding and people will come for quality products. I think, you know, like-minded people, again, they, they find us and they'll make the trek, they'll come. I, I bribe all my telling you know what the scenery is really pretty along the way you know it is it like you watch the, you, yeah yeah right yeah. I, I yeah, love it I love the drive down the west coast it's so relaxing that's what I think see I bribed them with that <laughs> yeah, good places you to what? eat too along the way yeah exactly I tell them just don't come um, into Nanakuri after two Gotta pass that border between you know, before two o'clock. Yeah. Get the contra flow now. <laughs> yeah, it is better. So you guys have a large operation, but for people who just have a small garden, are they able to come down and Yeah. Totally. So um one way is we load everybody up. because we, we we um sell our product by bulk. So okay. it's by the cubic yard. Uh, we have front-end loaders that load up from the small truck, you know, to semis going out of here. But we had a lot of kupuna coming in with their five-gallon buckets yeah. or even their big Tupperware. Mm-hmm. And, like, they only they don't want a truckload of soil. They just want a little, you know, they have a few pots. So now we have a DIY section where we provide bags because we have a piggery on site also. So we have feed bags, grain feed bags, and we, you know, help them load up and put them in their car and so you can get a bag of soil for like four dollars and oh wow it'll be on your way yeah and there, a lot of people come for the black cinder the volcanic okay. cinder and as a ground cover and um that is like eight dollars a bag and so oh, it can go yeah from small bags to all the way up to semi truck loads yeah land is kind of at a premium right now so like us we have a small little yard but yeah that would be yeah, I'm excited. I'm I'm going back to the drawing board. Try <laughs> one more year, second year at gardening. <laughs> and container gardens are in now, so yeah. you know, even if well, it's small, true. it's yeah. possible. Yeah. yeah, and I love that you know you've just really shown us what a learning process it can be, you know, mm-hmm. and that it's it's always evolving. There's always more to learn and more yeah. people to learn from. It just leads you to the next place, mm-hmm. which is the fun part. Yeah. So I've cool. I've enjoyed it totally. Awesome. Not Paul yet. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> so is there anything you want to leave with our listeners? Any pieces of advice? Anything that you feel strongly passionate about you want to share with? Um, mm. You're supposed to ask me that first. <laughs> That's a big question. Um, I don't know. Follow your passion and do the right thing. Yeah, especially when it comes to our Aina. Make good choices. You know, think about your kids. There's that thing with a lot of indigenous cultures about the seven generations. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. We thank you so awesome. much for yeah. what you're doing for our environment and for our island. We're so excited to share with our listeners for sure. Yeah, so, me too. Me too. And thank you for the tour. If you're interested in coming down for a tour, Laura's down here in Waianae Valley, Island Topsoil. You can go to www.islandtopsoil.com. Sure. Is that right? Yes. Yeah visit the website reach out on facebook uh she would love to hear from you it's an awesome tour we get you know good personal i know one, it's one great to learn tour. bring so. your keiki you can find us at www.thepacificcurt.com we're on instagram twitter and facebook so reach out excited to hear from you right. well thank you for listening this is andrew t i'm jenica k Bye.